Hey, my name's Jeremy, and I have the privilege of serving as the lead pastor here at Shelter Cove. And I just want to say thank you so much for tuning in with us today. I firmly believe you're going to be encouraged, you're going to be inspired, but most of all, that God's going to do something through this message that's going to move you closer to Jesus. Thanks again for tuning in. Have you ever been to a gender reveal party? In case you haven't, it's where you gather together and a couple's getting ready to have a child and either they cut a cake or pop a balloon or squirt each other with a squirt gun and out comes the color either blue representing a boy or pink representing a girl. And they happen in so many different ways. In fact, there have been people that have launched fireworks and launched either blue ones or pink ones. Uh, there was a couple that actually had a Ferris wheel rented out and the colors were blinking crazy and it either went to pink or to blue representing the gender of their child. I can only imagine the couple saying to their child uh, long after they're alive and born, uh, sorry, we're not gonna ever be able to get you a birthday gift, but you had this crazy awesome gender reveal party. I say that word reveal because today in this passage, Jesus is going to reveal to every single one of us how we experience true spiritual rest. So if you have your Bibles, meet me in Matthew 11, starting in verse 28. My name is Jeremy, one of the pastors here. And boy, if this is your first time tuning in, I just wanna say welcome. So glad that you're joining us today. We're in week two of this series called Tired. Just because of everything that's going on in our life, in our world, I think about COVID-19, the social tension, political tension, uh, everything going on with, with kids and teachers and parents when it comes to schooling. And by the way, moms, dads, we're praying for you during this season. Teachers, administrators praying for you. Business owners praying for you. Uh, this is a season where as a church, we don't just uh, survive, we thrive. And so I believe that God's going to do a mighty work in and through us, the church, during this season. But we're continuing this series, and today we're looking at how do you experience uh, spiritual rest and rejuvenation during a season that can be absolutely crazy. And what Jesus is going to share with us in just a moment is some of the most powerful, inviting words, and I believe all of the New Testament. And let me set the context, because before these words, Jesus is criticizing, he's rebuking the religious leaders. Why? Because they missed Jesus. They were all about obedience to the law. They were all about developing this self-righteousness, thinking that by their works, their obedience to the law of Moses, they could be right with God. And Jesus is criticizing them and rebuking them because they're missing Jesus. And if we're not careful... We can fall into that same trap where we miss Jesus, even though he has been clearly revealed through the scriptures. Now, how was Jesus revealed? I believe that was done through several ways. In the Old Testament, we have the prophecy that Jesus was going to be born of a virgin in Bethlehem. Before Jesus was born, an angel appeared to Mary saying, you're going to give birth to a child. He's going to be the savior of the world. You shall name him Jesus because he's going to save the world from their sins. Jesus is born and what happens? Shepherds show up and they worship Jesus. Months after that, wise men, they are searching for the king that was born. And if that wasn't enough, what happens early? in Jesus's ministry, after John the Baptist prepares the way, Jesus goes and John the Baptist baptizes Jesus. And we hear the voice of God, the father saying, this is my son whom I love with him. I am well pleased. 
And if that's not enough, what happens? Jesus preaches the greatest sermon ever preached, the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. People are astonished at his teaching. He claims to have the power to forgive sins. And not only that, he proves it. Why? Because he does miracle after miracle after miracle, proving and revealing that Jesus truly is God, the Messiah, the long-awaited Savior of the world. And in this passage, we have this invitation for true spiritual rest. Now, why is spiritual rest so important? Because when we are spiritually rested, when our souls are experiencing rest, it will influence and impact every single area of our life. Notice these words of Jesus. Grab your Bibles out. Hey, engage with me today. If there's something powerful that you hear from God, put it in the chat. Uh, take notes. But I really believe that God's message for you today can change your life. Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28. Jesus says this. He says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Heavenly Father, God, as we open your word, open our hearts, God, that we would experience the power of true spiritual rest that's only found in the person of Jesus. God, we love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, today what I want to look at is four points when we ask the reality, how do we experience true spiritual rest? And I believe that there are four key words, just four key words in your notes today, that if we can live these out, we're going to experience everything that Jesus Christ wants us to, not just now in this season, but for all eternity. And the first word in your notes is come. Come. Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. That first word, come. And I love that because Jesus says, come to me. Jesus wants us to come to him. And that's so important because if we're not careful, we can go to religion, we can go to church, and we can completely miss Jesus. We can sing in the worship team, we can be an usher, we can be a greeter, we can give our tithes and our offerings. And at the same time, we can miss Jesus. Jesus here in this passage is saying, I want you to come to me. I want you to, to come to me as a source of your life. I want you to come to me and surrender to me. I want you to know that everything you ever need, everything you ever long for is found in me because I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. Now, parents, let me just encourage you with this reality. If we're not careful, we can encourage our kids to come to church and they can completely miss out on Jesus. We can encourage our kids to, to be a part of a religion and miss out on a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Jesus clearly says, I want you to come to me. But not only that, he says this word, all. What does all mean? All means all. It doesn't matter your background. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter where you're at. It doesn't matter if you're tall, if you're short, if you're rich or you're poor, if you're black or if you're white, if you're educated, if you're uneducated, this is the greatest invitation for every single person. 
you know, I look back at my life and some of the invitations I've had, and boy, there's, there's a, a few that I regret. One was about 25 years ago, Shaquille O'Neal, it was his rookie season in the NBA, and a friend of mine called me up. He had front row seats, half court, to the Sacramento Kings against the Orlando Magic, and I told him, I'm sorry, I've got other things to do. I'm too busy. I've got homework. Uh, can you call me another time or something like that? I, I missed out on seeing Shaquille O'Neal because I thought there were other things that were more important. Friends, my prayer for you today is that you don't miss out on this greatest invitation that's available specifically for you because it's available for every single one of us. Jesus says, come to me. He says, all. And then he goes on and says, who are laboring and heavy laden. What, what is he talking about in this? He's talking about those that, that are weighed down those that are exhausted from trying to live a life of legalism, trying to, to earn God's favor by living out the law, trying to, to live out the, the, the law in the Old Testament over 600 different commands. It's like getting on this hamster wheel that never ends and it's exhausting. Jesus says, ignore that life of legalism and live this life of grace. Because here's the reality. Every single one of us, We'll fall into one of two camps. One is this life of legalism, where we uh, think that we can become right with God based upon the life that we live, the, the work that we do, uh, trying to look good and be good and, and feel good and do all of the right things. It's this focus on the outside. It's, it's through good works. It's legalism. In the other world, the other concept is this whole concept of grace. And Jesus is saying, ultimately, it's, it's grace that's going to allow you to experience rest. Why? Because it's not you doing the work. It's you putting your faith and trust in the finished work of Christ, knowing that Jesus' death and his resurrection was sufficient in the eyes of God so that you could be right with God. And so for all of us, we will fall into one of those two camps, either legalism or grace. And here's why this is so important. How you see yourself in that area, either if you're legalistic or you live a life of grace, that's how your relationships will be impacted. In other words, if you have to work hard and you are constantly tired, you will have unrealistic expectations of other people. You will struggle to forgive other people. You will be hard on other people. You will be critical of other people. And yet, if you are walking and resting in the grace of God, you will be quick to forgive other people. You will be gracious to other people. You will be understanding to other people. So we will find that this will impact every single one of our relationships. Now, Jesus has this radical encounter with a rich young ruler in Matthew chapter 11. This rich young ruler comes up to Jesus and he asks him this question. He says, uh, Master, what must I do to be saved? Now, he's asking the wrong question because he thinks there's something he must do or work at to be safe. Now, Jesus already knows his heart and he replies and says, well, you know the commandments, honor your father and mother, keep the Sabbath, don't murder, don't commit adultery. And this young man says, all these things I've done since I was just a young boy. And Jesus looked at him and loved him and he says, one thing you lack. Now, what Jesus is going to do is place a burden on him that's so heavy he know he can't bear. He says, go sell everything you have and give it to the poor, then you will have treasure in heaven, then come follow me. And I 
I see the rest of this story and the young man walks away sad because he had great wealth. Here's the reality of the story. Legalism will not save you. Doing all of these great things will not save you. In fact, our lives, legalism, is absolutely, it's, it's worthless in the eyes of Christ. I think about some things that I saw online that were worthless. Here's a couple pictures for you. Check out this first one. It's a picture of a uh, spy hole where you can look out and see who's coming to your front door, even though there's a big window there. Like, who does that? Or this next one, I love this next one. There's this gate uh, on the middle of a sidewalk, and you can go around to the right or the left. It's absolutely pointless. Or here's a great one. Here's a sign that says, please don't try to breathe uh, when you're underwater. Like, obviously, they needed to put that sign up because somebody tried to do it. But the point is, is these signs, these things, they're absolutely worthless. It's the same with our good deeds. It's the same with our efforts of trying to obey the law. All they do is weigh us down. And Jesus says, I want to free you from that life. I want to free you from the life of legalism. And I want to encourage you to live a life of grace, a life of grace. One of the things I love to do is I love to go over to my mother-in-law and father-in-law's house. And I go there and, and relax anytime they invite me there. And they take care of everything. My, my mother-in-law will cook some amazing ham dinners. And whenever she cooks the, the ham dinner, I'm eating it. And I'm like, mmm, 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 mmm. You know, if you've watched What About Bob, I do that just about every time. It never gets old, but she takes care of absolutely everything. I mean, she, the bed is made. She does my laundry. She takes care of everything. And what we need in this life is not somebody that will take care of every one of our physical needs, but somebody that's taking care of every one of our spiritual needs. And his name is Jesus. And he gives every single one of us the invitation today to come to him. Now, now not only that are we to, to come to him, but we can also come with our burdens. We can come with our temptations. We can come with our trials. We can come with our disappointments. Because when we come to Jesus, Jesus wants all of us he doesn't just want some of us. He wants the good, the bad, the ugly, but the invitation is clear. The first thing we need to do is come. The second thing that, that we need to do to experience this spiritual rest is, is take. And this is what Jesus says. He says very clearly, he says, take my yoke upon you. And Jesus isn't talking about an egg yolk here. Back in the time of Jesus, there were different animals, oxen that would pull different loads. And what it was is a large wooden crossbar. In fact, we've got a picture of it right here so that you can see. And this would be strapped over two different oxen and they would be pulling some kind of a, a load, some kind of a, a burden. And Jesus says, take my yoke upon you. Now this is interesting and, and very powerful because there's a couple different meanings for this yoke. This, this yoke that was heavy, this yoke that was burdensome, at times was referred to as the yoke of living a life of legalism. Living a life where you were tempted to go back to trying to earn your self-righteousness simply through the obedience to the law. And Paul warns the Galatian believers against this. In Galatians chapter 5, verse 1, when these believers are, are tempted to, to lean towards legalism, this is what Paul says. He says, For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not 
submit against a yoke of slavery. Don't be slaves to legalism. And so we find this, this yoke being something that's, that's heavy, that, that is this form of legalism that, that Christ wants to free us from. But not only that, Paul also tells Timothy in his letter, 1 Timothy chapter 6, he says, Let all who are under a yoke as bondservants regard their own masters as worthy of honor. So it's, it's coming under the submission, under the authority of someone else, where ultimately they are the one leading us, teaching us. In other words, when Jesus says, take my yoke, we're saying, I'm going to follow you. I'm going to be your student. I'm going to be your disciple. You're the one that's going to call the shots in my life. Here's the reality. We can't live with two different yokes at the same time. We will either live with the reality, the yoke of legalism, or the yoke of grace, which is Jesus Christ himself. Now, single friends, don't miss this. This is why this is so important. In 2 Corinthians chapter 6, Paul says, do not be yoked with unbelievers. Why? Because unbelievers, they have a yoke that's ultimately themselves. They're not under the authority of Jesus Christ, which means if you get yoked to somebody else that is also not an authentic follower of Jesus Christ, your lives will be constantly pulled in different directions. They need to be yoked with Jesus Christ in order to be yoked with you. Just a word of encouragement. Now, here's why this is so important, I believe. Anytime that we are living a life that's full of legalism and we need to get rid of that, um, we are focused on the outside. And this is what it looks like. If I could illustrate just for a moment. I'm videoing on my phone right now, and this is uh, what you see right now. But if I turn this around very carefully, what you're going to see is you're going to see a camera. You're going to see James over there. What's up, James? You're going to see lights and all that kind of stuff. And if we're not careful, we get so focused on the outside that we neglect what's going on on the inside, which is ultimately the heart. See, a grace-filled life is what's focused on the inside. A legalistic life is focused on the outside. And here's the ripple effects on that. If you're focused on legalism, the outside, what you're going to do is you're going to tend to, to live a life of hypocrisy. If you are somebody that's focused on the heart, you're going to be somebody that, that's humble. You're going to be somebody that's focused on the inside. You want to be right with God instead of look right with God. Those are two totally different things. But Jesus says, not only come, he says, take my yoke upon you, this yoke of grace. Thirdly, not only do we come, not only do we take Jesus' yoke and put it on us, he says this, he says, learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly of heart. I, I love this because this third word is, is learn. Not, not just learn uh, anything in this world, not just learn a, a lot of information because we are now yoked with Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ says, I want, I want you to learn. I want you to learn. And it's interesting. He says, learn from me. This word from in the Greek is apo. It's this Greek word that means uh, about, but it also means from. In other, in, and I think it means both in this situation. In other words, the person that's giving us the instruction is Jesus, but the subject of the instruction 
is also Jesus. In other words, we're to learn from and about Jesus. Now, how do we do that? I want to give you three simple ways to really grow in your learning of Jesus, who he is, so you can grow in this personal relationship with Jesus Christ that's focused on grace. Number one is read the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, all about the Gospels, all about the life of Jesus, how Jesus interacted with people, treated people. You will find that Jesus was super hard on the religious people that claimed to be religious but were filled with hypocrisy, and he was filled with grace towards sinners. I think about the woman that was caught in adultery and Jesus uh, quickly allows everybody else to see their own sin. And he looks at her and says, hey, who else is here to condemn you? She says, no one. He says, neither do I leave your life of sin. First way that we grow in our learning of Jesus, learning from Jesus, is we are reading the Gospels. The second way is hang out with some people that are just filled with grace. Hang out with some people that are so filled with grace and ask them how they got there in their life. What were some of the turning points in their lives? And then thirdly, it's very simple, very powerful. Ask and pray that you would be a person not that's filled with legalistic attitude, not forced with being legalistic and trying to earn your way to God, earn your salvation, but pray that you would be somebody that's so filled with grace that it just spills out from you. That's a great practical three ways to learn from Jesus, which is what he said we need to do. He says, he says learn from me. And here's the powerful reality. When we learn from Jesus, we will live for Jesus. Somebody type that in the chat for me. When we learn from Jesus, we will live for Jesus. Our mission statement here at Shelter Cove is reaching and raising authentic followers of Jesus Christ. Authentic meaning we want to be real, transparent, honest with who we really are, but but also meaning that we want to obey everything that Jesus has commanded. Taken right from the Great Commission, Matthew chapter 28, 18 to 20, Jesus says, all power and authority has been given to me. He says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe or obey everything I have commanded them, and surely I will be with them to the very end of the age. And I love this because Jesus is saying, hey, I want you to go. I want you to take my yoke, take my teaching, but don't miss this. I'm going to be with you. I'm going to be going with you side by side, everything you need to accomplish what I'm asking you to do. I'm going to give you the power. I'm going to give you the strength. I'm going to give you the purpose. I'm going to give you the perspective. Well, four P's right there in a row. That's just a pastor, right? I'm going to give you everything you need to accomplish what I'm asking you to do. And I absolutely love that because Jesus is saying, Learn from me. And he goes on and says, for I am humble and lowly of heart. Some translations say gentle and low in heart. And what does that speak of? It speaks of two things. It speaks of Jesus's approachability and it also speaks of his character. One thing you need to know is that that we can approach the throne of grace with confidence. Why? Because, Because Jesus is approachable. Jesus understands us. Jesus was was fully human and fully God. At the same time, he's very approachable. But not only that, Jesus is, is the most humble person that's walked the face of this earth. That the King of kings and the Lord of lords would get off his throne in heaven, come down here, 
and live a life where he serves others and dies for us, there is nobody more humble than Jesus. So as we learn from Jesus, who is lowly and humble, what we will find is we will find that we grow in our humility ourselves and we find ourselves focusing on others. Because what's the other reality? It's legalism. And legalism is always filled with pride. It's always trying to make ourselves look better. It's always trying to make others look bad. That's what the Pharisees did. And that's why Jesus says, I want you to learn from me. How do we grow in our spiritual rest? The first thing Jesus says is come. The second thing he says is take. Take my yoke. Thirdly, he says, learn from me. And then lastly, word number four in your notes, it's, it's find. And this is what Jesus says. He says, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I love this rest because it's not a superficial rest. It's not a rest from taking a nap. It's not a rest from eating a meal. It's not a rest from going on vacation. No, this is deep spiritual rest in your soul that's only possible with Jesus Christ. And here's why this is so important. When we have that deep rest in our soul, it will impact every area of our life. It will impact our relationships. It will impact our emotions. It will impact our thinking. It will impact our our mental uh, mindset. Everything will be impacted when, spiritually speaking, we have deep soul rest. And here's why this is so important. Spiritual rest leads to situational rest. Somebody put that in the notes for me. Spiritual rest leads to situational rest. And we see this in the life of Jesus. Jesus was always doing exactly what the Father wanted him to do. And yet there was a storm in the sea. And what's Jesus doing? He's under the boat sleeping. Why? Because he had this deep sense of spiritual rest in his life. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, what happened? They were told in Daniel chapter 3 to bow down to this image that Nebuchadnezzar built. And they said, you know what? We're not going to do it. Our God's going to save us. But even if he doesn't, we want you to know, king, we ain't bowing down. Why could they do that? Because they had this deep spiritual rest that always leads to situational rest. And so if you are single today, if you just found out you have cancer today, if you're finding out you you're lost a job or you're losing a job, whatever it is, the greatest way to have peace in your life is to have this spiritual rest that's all about the grace of God, the finished work of Christ, because it's when we have spiritual rest that then we can experience situational rest in any area of our life because at the end of the day we're right with Jesus we're right with Jesus he goes on and he says for my yoke is easy and my burden is light I love that bur- that word easy it, it's really my, my yoke is best my, my yoke is right uh, it's it's form-fitted exactly for us and the burden is light why because Christ is the one doing the work We're just yielding our lives to Him. You know, there's so many unknowns right now in this season. We have no idea how 
long this coronavirus will last. We have no idea what's gonna happen in November with the elections. We have no idea how long, again, our kids are gonna be out of school, in school, all of those dynamics. There are so many things we don't know. But my heart for you today is that you would know a spiritual rest that's only found in Jesus Christ. And some of you may be asking, yeah, but, but how, do I, how do I know? How, how do I know? How, how can I be as confident that, that I'm right with God, as, as, as confident as I'm knowing I'm holding my phone right now? Well, I want to share two life-changing verses with you. And it comes from 1 John chapter 5. Verse 12 puts it this way. It says, Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son does not have life. Very simple. If we want eternal life with God in heaven, there's one person. His name is Jesus Christ. You may be saying, yeah, but I really want to know. Well, look at verse 13 with me. It says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. Friends, in the midst of all of the unknowns that are facing our world today, we can rest knowing that we have salvation through Jesus Christ because of the finished work of Jesus Christ. This invitation from Jesus is available to every single one of us He says, come to me. He says, take my yoke. He says, learn from me. Then he says, find, rest for your soul. It's a deep rest. It's a satisfying rest. It's a spiritual rest. And it's only found in the person of Jesus Christ. Heavenly Father, God, thank you so much for who you are, for what you've done. God, Jesus Christ has done all the work. And God, for some of us today, we're, we're prone towards legalism. And it's exhausting to always try to, to live the perfect life, to always try to trust ultimately in ourselves instead of trusting in the finished work of Jesus Christ. So God, today we say thank you. Thank you for this invitation that's available to every single one of us. If you're here today and you've never surrendered your life to Jesus Christ, maybe you've been all about doing the right thing or all about legalism, but you've never put your faith and trust in the finished work of Christ. In other words, you're not resting in God's grace. It's a free gift. You can't earn it. You don't deserve it. You have to receive it. Maybe for the first time today, you'll receive this gift of grace that ultimately will give you spiritual rest. And you can receive it through a simple prayer. It's not the words of the prayer. It's something that goes like this. Dear Jesus, thank you for your gift of grace. Forgive me of my sin. I receive Jesus Christ as my Savior, as my Lord And today I surrender my life to you. Make me into the person you want me to be. And give me the deep spiritual rest that my soul is seeking. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, if you just gave your life to Jesus Christ, let us know, message us, or you can send us a text message 
uh, this number right here, and we would love to have one of our team members follow up with you today. God bless you guys. Let's continue to worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords.